There is an economic, moral, and humanitarian crisis in our city and country around homelessness. Elevated Denver is a nonprofit devoted to humanizing the issue and implementing new solutions in collaboration with government, business, other nonprofits, and our unhoused neighbors. The end goal is a more effective and responsive system that meets people's needs so they can move into stable housing more efficiently. Think about the way the world is and the way that the world could be. All of our systems are interrelated and interdependent. There's a thousand different voices that nobody hears. We're looking at a human being, and there's life story. 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 Connection to the people we don't know that live near us. An Elevated Denver starts now. Welcome back to the Elevated Denver podcast. We're back for a second season. I'm your host, Nathan Havey. Along with Myra, Leanne, and Jana, I will be taking you along the next phase of this journey to understand the housing and homelessness crisis in the city and county of Denver, Colorado. Now, while the focus will be hyper-local, we believe the stories and learnings can be applied around the country and beyond. You might remember Myra from Season 1, Episode 2. Well, I'm pleased to report she is now a peer producer for this podcast. My name is Myra Nagy. My role with Elevated Denver is advisory board member and podcast peer producer. This work is important to me because I was previously unhoused and want to help the people that are still struggling. I believe that we should all be treated humanely, and the unhoused deserve to have their voices heard. Myra, a lived expert, will be interviewing many of the guests you will hear this season. She's able to connect on a deep level of shared experience, and you'll hear that in the interviews. You will also hear from Jonna Flood, who's been working on Elevated Denver since the beginning, co-producing Season 1 and Season 2, and leading the larger organization. I'm Jonna Flood, a co-creator of Elevated Denver. I hold a deep belief that in order for Denver to be the best community, we need to hold compassion for one another and unify our efforts to solve problems like homelessness. Stories are windows into experiences we might not otherwise know, and they help us find connection with each other. Finally, you'll also hear from Leanne, the Chief of Strategy and Impact for Elevated Denver and lead producer for this season of the podcast. I'm Leanne Morrison, a co-creator of Elevated Denver, I have a passion for improving issues that are foundational to the well-being of our community, like having a place each one of us can call home. Stories are like connective tissue that bring us closer together by acknowledging our unique experiences and individual humanity. Before we dive into Season 2, I want to recap some of the things that we heard in Season 1, which aired in the spring and summer of 2022. During that season, a 10-episode docuseries on homelessness in Denver, we heard from many of Denver's experts working on the issue of homelessness, including Britta Fisher, former director of Denver's Office of Housing Stability and current CEO of Colorado Coalition for the Homeless, 
Kathy Alderman, Chief Communications and Public Policy Officer at the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless, and Cole Chandler, founder of Colorado Village Collaborative and current Director of Homelessness Initiatives for the state of Colorado. We also heard from local council member Candy Sidabaka, from Therese Howard, currently of the House Keys Action Network Denver, Graydon Charlesworth at the St. Francis Center, and Elise Matatal, formerly with Warren Village and currently at the Denver Department of Public Health and Environment. With their help, we learned that the issue of homelessness is complex and multifaceted. One of the systemic roots of the issue is a fundamental discrepancy between the cost of housing and income levels in Denver. The reality is that over the last 60 years, 70, 80 years, wages have remained stagnant while housing prices at large have skyrocketed. And so in America, housing prices tend to rise 5 to 10 percent a year, while wages only rise 1 to 3 percent a year. And so you can see over time that that curve just simply won't keep up. Eventually, housing becomes unaffordable. And so for many people, they are a paycheck away from losing housing. This creates a situation where people who might just be meeting their expenses can experience a financial setback, like a medical bill, a car repair, an increase in the cost of food, reduced hours at work, and then are unable to make ends meet and can end up unhoused. There are programs out there to support folks in these positions, but not nearly enough to meet the need. And as we will learn in Season 2, these programs are not always known or accessible when they are needed. And so we then see them, you know, making the choices about, do I pay for my medication this month or do I pay for my rent? Well, if that medication is life-saving and your home is life-saving, how do you make that decision? Sometimes the help is there and people get the temporary assistance needed to restabilize. But that often isn't the case. And if you've gone through a traumatic event or are managing a job and public transportation and children and food and all of the other daily needs, the system can be extremely challenging to access and use, causing you to fall further behind. Yeah, so most like public benefits systems have like a cutoff income in which you're no longer eligible for that benefit. Um, some benefits have like a more graduated, like you, like food stamps, you start to lose a small amount and then it eventually phases out. But like most housing programs, once you make a certain income, you are no longer eligible for housing. Mental health issues don't often lead to homelessness, but they certainly run concurrent with it. And that's because the experience of homelessness is so traumatic that people often look to self-medicate. And you know, generally somebody is coming from a, a trauma situation that led to their homelessness. And then the experience of homelessness itself is so traumatic that it really creates a vicious cycle that can be very hard to get out of without the right supports. Often, folks become unhoused. If they have family or friends who are stable nearby, they may be able to sleep on their couches for a while. But eventually, many enter the homeless support system. The first stop often is shelters and the streets. And if someone is lucky, they will be connected quickly to a case manager. But not always. And what was supposed to be a temporary crisis situation can turn into something with no end in sight. Yeah, so there are shelters. If you 
had the entire homeless population of Denver that was trying to access those existing shelters um, and stay in them, we would be about 90% short of the, the, the capacity. We've heard from some of our neighbors that they have been able to move into transitional or even subsidized permanent housing and receive wraparound supports. And then we got accepted into Warren Village. And then once we got into Warren Village, everything changed. Um, I, I feel like the main thing was Warren Village gave us structure. When I got to Warren Village, it was more so like, we're going to help you navigate to your goals. We're not going to tell you what to do, and we're not judging you. We're just going to try to help maneuver you in the right direction. There has been progress, and the city's budget allocation to address this issue has doubled since 2019. However, the number of people who need help continues to rise dramatically, too. We have to remember that we are not talking about a set number of people who are currently unhoused, and that if we help all of them to find housing, the problem goes away. The truth is that more of our neighbors are becoming unhoused every month. And until we deal with the systems that are causing that to happen, we will struggle with homelessness in Denver. The history is there. It is laid out. It is in our laws. If we don't recognize that, we cannot repair it. And so when we look at our policies and we think, oh, we're just tweaking this neutral policy, we must reflect and ask, was this based on racist goals and systems? And if we do not dismantle those, we will not fundamentally change the outcomes that have been so racially disparate in our community, because tragically, unfortunately, and systematically, that was the design. We have to undo it. And most important in season one, we heard from our neighbors who have experienced homelessness. These individuals shared what happened in their lives that caused them to become unhoused and what it's really like to try to regain stability. The prices are going up on everything else, but don't really want to go up on the wages that need to go up on, you know, to help people to survive, you know, and it's, it's critical, but you're still making it difficult for the homeless to even meet those basic resources to get on their feet. It's still making it difficult for them to survive. And that's just the only way I see it right now. I don't see no easier way. If it is, then maybe somebody can bring that to my attention. Even if I get out there and I have done it and go to these apartment buildings throughout the different areas, you know, even if I'm making 18 an hour, 20 an hour, I still say I'm not making enough. So it's to me, it seems to be fixed. Nothing was working out in life. It was like I had a boyfriend and come to find out he was an alcoholic, keeping it a secret and he died and I couldn't save him. And I was I felt guilty from that, mostly because that morning I was yelling and screaming at him. And then he passed away in my apartment while I was working. They gave me one week off for mourning this guy dying in my apartment. I think that's what it was. I needed more time to deal with the issue that not only did he pass away, but in my apartment that I had to stay, keep living in. Like I couldn't touch the couch and all the, the other things I was dealing with. 
we released season one in April of 2022, and the feedback was overwhelming. We heard how valuable it was to hear stories from our unhoused neighbors firsthand. And so we've spent the last six months meeting and recording more stories and finding new perspectives. And now here we are with season two. So here's a quick preview of what lies ahead. Well, I've dealt with the homeless street life for a lot of my life. When I was 16, I ended up leaving my, my mom's house. I didn't get housing until I was about 18, I believe. I would still go out and, and learn bad habits from, from the streets and stuff. And it kind of just kept me in the streets just because I was so used to it by that time. Well, administration is, basically to me, I seen the people that was in charge of your fate. They determine when you're going to get in housing and what housing that you're going to get into. My name's Ron. I have lived experience being homeless. Uh, the perception out there is far different than people think it is. I, I lost my job, and people think it's alcohol, drugs, mental illness. Not necessarily true. And now I'm giving back. And just like in season one, in addition to hearing from our unhoused neighbors, we will also learn from local experts and service providers. There's a lot of psychologists and therapists out there that say that trauma is held in the body. And there's a lot of truth to that. Those trauma-specific therapists um, do notice, you know, just changes in the body, whether it be closing up, tensing up, whether it be um, just, you know, feeling like panic or palpitations. There's a lot happening in the body. So we don't um, address the body as well as, you know, the trauma that they're processing, you know, it becomes a little less effective. I think some of the common things for a lot of people, it had to do with some sort of mental illness episode or flare-up. For some people, it was a physical disability that prevented them from working, and for whatever reason, they didn't necessarily have the support system or the financial support needed to be able to stay on their feet and maintain whatever kind of housing situation they had. Getting out of prison or jail, that was a really common one. Also very common was a domestic violence situation. There's maybe an event that happens which snowballs when you put everything together. An event happens, it snowballs into a person not having a place to live anymore. And a lot of times... In order to cope with all of that stress, sometimes substance use or alcohol misuse was involved. A lot of people didn't necessarily have family to fall back and rely on or not good and supportive family. Things that are, you know, kind of common things that could happen to any of us. And finally, we will talk to individuals who have been unhoused and are now supporting others who are working towards stability. Peer support is about being vulnerable and sharing similar experiences around mental health, substance use, and any life challenge, really, whether it's incarceration or, you know, like I said, houselessness. But it's really about inspiring hope and walking with people, modeling what is possible, and offering 
non-judgmental, non-coercive support. It's really about um, self-education and connecting people to resources and letting them know that they're not alone. So I started participating on committees and testifying for state legislature. And not a lot of people like to talk about some of their worst moments, but it became something really cathartic for me, almost. Not only was I helping other people by being vulnerable and honest with my story, I was helping move like this conversation forward that like we're real people experiencing real things and just because we're experiencing those real things differently than the rest of society doesn't make us any less human. We hope this podcast will allow you to spend time with our unhoused neighbors to learn more about the causes of homelessness and build hope for how we can move towards sustainable solutions. It might just challenge our assumptions about homelessness and expand our work to cultivate an elevated Denver together. This season is being brought to you by sponsors, organizations and individuals in our community who believe in the value of bringing human stories of homelessness to light and who believe in creating innovative, collaborative solutions to the challenges before us. Thank you to our early sponsors, Don Burns of the Burns Institute for Poverty Research, Warren Village, and Peak Resources. For those of you who want to be a part of the solution, reach out. We could use more sponsors to make sure that all these amazing stories get told, and we could use your help to build a city where we can all live with dignity and thrive. If you're interested, please reach out to info at elevateddenver.co. We look forward to connecting next time when we meet our neighbor, David. Anybody that's homeless, you get overlooked. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you if if you don't look homeless. You know, I clearly don't look like I'm homeless, but why would I want to look that part? But people still look at us different. Like if you don't have Medicaid or if you don't have a house, you you're definitely a, a burden, not not a person. And it's sad. It's very sad.